Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome to the Randomly Generated History Club, where three non-historians pick a year at random and try to learn things about it. I'm Ant, and I'm here with my two friends, Anna and Will. Hello. Hello. This week, we're talking about the year 1066. And as per tradition, I'd like each of us to give a three-word preview of what we're discussing today. Will. Last Saxon King. Last. (laughs) Question mark. Anna. The other invasion. The other invasion. And mine is swords weaving kings. Ooh. Swords weaving kings. Weaving kings. I love it when they do that. Oh, Oh, no, no, it's not swords that weave kings. Um, (laughs) Those are some magical swords. That would be pretty good. Amazing. Now, can I say something about 1066? Because in this last week, since Mm -hmm. we've announced that that's what the RNG chose, Mm -hmm. I have heard from so many people. Yep calling bullshit on it being random this is the thing and i i know people don't believe it but it genuinely people is. don't believe it i'm giving you an opportunity as the keeper of the random right. number generator send me their names <laughs> and national insurance numbers i know and, well what i keep saying to them is like it's it's too early for us to have chosen this one. This would be like going yeah, to a yeah, killer yeah. show and they play Mr. Brightside like fourth in the set yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's so many better years. We have 3,000 years. 1067, yeah. better year. <laughs> oh, can't wait <laughs> also, for that. If you think, if you think about the years that we've had to do before yeah like bce years yeah Yeah. many of those years have been really really hard to do they're like they're they're not the ones if we were faking it we would have faked it with slightly more (laughs) easy ones yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) anyway all i'm saying is um 1066 was random yeah it was 100 random random. okay great okay so this week i am going to talk about King Edward the Confessor. 
Mm. who ruled England from about 1042 to 1066. And he is a key figure in history for a bunch of reasons. But probably the main reason is that he was ruling England before the Norman invasion, which happened that year. And it was an argument over who was going to take over from Edward the Confessor that sparked all the trouble that then happened in 1066 and prompted the invasion. So I'm going to talk a bit about him and about his life and try to offer a bit of background on why all the hullabaloo happened. Nice. It's so nice to hear you talk about an English king again. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been so weeks. refreshing. It feels like it feels like home. <laughs> I've I have been neglecting I've done a bit of science recently, haven't yeah. I? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. suit you. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Mysticism battles allegory, and gestures battles and, kings. and gestures and kings, yes. <laughs> so he was born in around ten oh three or ten oh five in his lip in an Oxford or near Oxford, and he was from a noble family from the house of Wessex mm -hmm. who were kind of dominating at the time and despite the fact that we mainly think of him as a king of England this was a period when the nobility in northern France and in England and also in Denmark and Norway were all intermarrying they're all intertwined they're all kind of mutually invading each other as well and double crossing and scheming against each other mm. and so for Edward the Confessor um, this manifested in a few ways so for instance his mum was called emma of normandy and she was as the name suggests a norman-born noblewoman mm -hmm. named emma named, named emma named emma as the name suggests <laughs> and that's that's that now completes all the things her name suggests yeah. um, <laughs> and, and she was married to edward's father um, ethelred the unready uh, and also then later on to a norman king as well why yeah. was he what was he unready for the marriage for being king <laughs> he was breakfast <laughs> he was unready for a bunch of things uh, he was mainly called unready and i think this is true of lots of these people from the, around this time and they all had this is also by the way this era of epithets yeah where they, all, yeah, they were all very good someone something yeah which we should bring now, back now, considering that we had to wait for you to start recording this because you need to finish writing your piece can we call you william the unready Ooh. <laughs> Not to give you a live on-air burn, but like, you know, I mean, clock's ticking. <laughs> so angry, but it's actually fairly justified. So yeah, he was unready for power. So he took over, uh, like a lot of these people called unready because they had to take over when they were eight years old or ten okay. years old. So he yeah, was 12 yeah, when yeah. he took over. And so all the nobles were bitching about him, basically. I was over. ready to rule a kingdom when I was 12. Oh, absolutely. Very precocious. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If I could just put down my saddle club books, I could have taken up the, the throne of any any kingdom. Well, what with all your uh, reading of ancient books and the uh, close and careful education provided to you by your river nanny. <laughs> I, and the fact you were born into the Wessexes as well. I was, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, of yeah. course, famously, yeah, yeah born yeah, into yeah. the ancient house of the Wessexes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My epithet is the vampiric, though. <laughs> <laughs> On account of your... Pasty pale skin <laughs> and hatred of garlic. Yes. <laughs> okay, so this period and basically the preceding 200 years really was one where you had this consolidation of power and the kingdom of Wessex gradually taking on more and more control over Great Britain. But what wasn't going so well was the whole working out who was going to take over from you thing. And in short, it's a lot like the television show, which people... The which only people... way is Wessex. <laughs> 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 Very good. Oh, 
that's good. And and the other and the other one in which people vie for power over who's going to take over from survivors. Uh, cool. Uh, no, succession. Yes. That's the succession. one I have in mind. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and for Edward, this meant that he actually spent spells in exile in Norman France. So uh, and he, he was spending his time there politicking and scheming and preparing to come back to take over in England again. And the point being that what ended up happening in 1066 wasn't really... Well, it was just the latest in a long line of things that had gone wrong with with the plans for succession over the preceding 200 years. So in that sense, it was nothing new. And it was just um, they, they, lots of them, had, lots of kings have had problems in trying to work out who's going to come after them. And there'd been lots and lots of fights over who was going to succeed who. And part of that was due to the intermarrying of everything. And part of it was just because they'd lacked a bit of consistency in one particular family, like managing to string together two or three different successions. So rather than tell you everything about his long life, uh, I will just uh, I will tell you a couple of facts. So, in, okay, actually, a question here: Who now speaking about right now today? Yep. Who is the patron saint of England? This this is this a trick question? Because I would say Saint George. Saint George, I would say, yeah. But will you say Saint George? I will say. I'm willing to risk the falling into the trap. No, I think the klaxon's going for you, obviously. Yeah. That's not right. I'm doubting myself in everything I've ever thought. It's uh -huh. not going to be St. George. It's St. Saint... Ethelred. St. <laughs> <laughs> Ethelred the Unready. So, uh, he was ready for sainthood in the end, yes. Interesting. Okay. And then second question, follow-up oh. question. Oh, no. Where geographically is St. George from? Not England. Oh, he's got Correct. to be Welsh. Okay, so... A slightly dubious uh, in precise origin, but, but basically the Middle East, um, oh. Turkey, Georgia. Yeah, it was the Wales of you the know, Middle, Middle East. East. <laughs> We're not really sure, but basically not England. So, so um, at this point, uh, so George is the exact oh, right, is, so is, is the right is, answer is, to be clear. Okay, okay, to be clear okay, now, yeah. uh, but at this time it wasn't George, and and George didn't come about until about two or three hundred years later, when during a crusade, one he of the kings dragon. at the time went and prayed at the shrine uh, in modern day Lod, uh, Lydda, and prayed to to St George mm -hmm. and then following that he was then adopted as the patron oh, saint okay, of England gotcha. because of you know the king felt that he was blessed by that saint so um but at, um, at this time it wasn't George at all and about a hundred years after Edward's death he was made a saint so Saint ah. Edward the Confessor was what then one at that point of three patron saints mm. patron saints that England had along with Edmund the Martyr and yeah. Gregory the Great yeah, and, and was... Agnes the unwilling. Agnes, the <laughs> Agnes. Unwilling. yeah. Uh, was he called the confessor because he just loved going to confession, very holy, and therefore became a saint? Yeah, I think it's it's slightly uh, contested exactly how religious he was, but he the, there seems to be a consensus around the idea. That it seems to be pretty settled that he was quite a religious person. He took a vow of chastity, which mm -hmm. was fairly instrumental in him not having an heir. I, uh, I think that would that would do <laughs> it. Do it. That would do it. Yeah. yeah. And he did seem to spend most of his time praying and yeah. be and doing religious bits and bobs. Yeah, and bits and bobs, that's what they do. Yeah. Candles. And, and actually he, he his his rule was bobs. his rule was pretty peaceful and pretty, you know, just. Yeah, so that's Edward the Confessor. And then he died in January ten sixty six and caused the whole hullabaloo that resulted mm -hmm. afterwards because of his lack of an heir. certainly a hullabaloo and i think this now falls to me to describe said hullabaloo yeah unpack the hullabaloo oh this 
this was a big hullabaloo for England. I mean, the stars had aligned. Jupiter's in retrograde. Um, <laughs> Haley's comment is in full view. The portents that are... That one is accurate. That one's accurate. Yeah. Everything else I have said yeah. to date on this podcast has been a, <laughs> has been a lie. Right. Um, but so this first big event, obviously, Edward the Confessor, uh, he's died, as we said. He's got no heirs. Um, and after his death, his cousin, Harold Godwinson, who was effectively in control and in charge anyway as as, as Edward was aging, uh, was appointed ruler and ascended to the throne. Uh, this did kick off a lot of interested parties who thought they might be able to claim the throne for themselves. Mm. Namely, Harold's uh, brother Tostig, uh, who had paired up with the Norwegian King Harold, who thought that he might have a claim to his well. Tostig could have been voted in, but it wasn't. The Norwegian King Harold had this very old... Uh, agreement with his father's predecessor and the then king of England that they could, if they didn't have an heir, that the other one would inherit the land, etc. And finally, as well, the uh, Norman Duke William, mm. who was married into this sort of heir as well. Also was... the Welsh nobleman, Roger the Inert. <laughs> Roger the Inert, <laughs> who never got around to actually leaving Penrith or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He's just always forgotten in history, so I wanted to make sure. But he sure. didn't react fast enough. Hey! <laughs> he did not react fast enough. So, that's a terrible joke. <laughs> anyway, after all this catalyst for war, <laughs> the Norman Duke William was spent his entire life having to fight for his place and position since he was about 12 years old to establish himself in Normandy. So he's a very experienced diplomat, politician, and organizer of armies and stuff. So he was destined for greatness. Mm. But first, the Norwegian King Harold had sent about 300 ships to England. Um, but uh, they, when they landed in Tostig, they had a small battle that they won, and they're invigorated, we're going to take over the place. But the English crown uh, had sent up their troops and they had defeated them at the famous Battle of Stamford Bridge. So this yes. was Harold versus Harold? This was Harold Harold versus Harold. Okay. Yes, yeah, okay. exactly. The Harold Godwinson versus Harold, Harold Hardrada, right? Yes, Hardrada, yeah. Harold the Norse guy. Okay. And so uh, the, the English troops were triumphant and they thought they could take on the world and they knew that there was a brewing, you know, brewing uh, Norman invasion happening. Um um, there's a great plaque, actually, uh, in Stamford Bridge that exists, that they erected, a very poetic epitaph on it. And it says, the Battle of Stamford Bridge was fought in this neighbourhood on September 25th, 1066. Oh, uh, <laughs> the bards it. will sing about this day. Dry, factual, yeah. northern. <laughs> it is perfect. Anyway, so the timing for this was absolutely perfect, though, uh, for William, because just a few days later, he lands on the south coast of England. And so these troops that are just from battle, they're not fresh. They have to do a forced march the length of England in effectively winter. Um, and they had to then recoup and then face them in battle. Mm. And this leads to the greatest battle in the history of all battles that have ever occurred oh, wow. in a small village okay. in the south of England. <laughs> In the, the Hastings area. In the Hastings area. <laughs> called the Battle of Hastings. So, uh, firstly, I hope that we're all aware the Battle of Hastings did not take place in the town of Hastings. Are we aware of this? No, because uh, Americans don't care about this. So okay. all of this is new to me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, well, 
Really? Is the Americans not know or care about any of this? No. Okay, really? so the yeah. Battle of Hastings took place in Battle. 66. It did take okay. place in 1066, <laughs> but in a town called Battle. Which battle? Is battle, as in like huh. a, a battle. The Battle yeah. of Battle. Yeah, so it's just, just a bit north of Hastings. I mean, like... It wasn't called Battle at the time. Oh, no, it was called just a field near clear. Hastings. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's a little um, yeah. on the nose. <laughs> so, now, William, please yes. hold your excitement. Okay. No. <laughs> but I'm going to just, I'm going to describe to you the battle itself. Oh, God. So it's going to be exciting. Um, I really wish I had a whiteboard, so I'm going to have to use some flowery language. Um... I'm going to have to like really bring it to life. Um, um, and also, I think, Will, if in the edit, you could sort of bring in some epic music, uh, maybe some sounds of clashing swords, the whinnying of horses and uh, a trumpet or two, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Y- yes, copyright pending. Like, copyright. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a Louis Armstrong yeah, trumpet? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Just get was, Hello, Dolly So the Battle of Hastings was a jazz fusion battle, is what it was. <laughs> so... Uh, you're just going to do yakety sax or something, aren't you? I'm of going course. to sound like a. F- oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Imagine the scene. It's a winter's morning in the south of England. Windswept, rainy, mud soaked fields. Standing on top of them are two armies. In the north, the English under the banner of King Harold Godwin. Battle proven, but exhausted. Arrayed in formation on the top of Sandlock Hill. And they stood looking over the field, mostly infantry. On the other side, the Normans, professional army, baying for blood, eager for this army of archers, cavalry, infantry, supported by the Bretons, by the Flemish, um, devastating capabilities, but at a disadvantage, there are long logistical supply lines, they're far from home, they spoke French. (laughs) 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 You know, so there's a lot lot going against them. Uh, But their tactic was here, so the steep hill, their tactic was to harry the English with their longbowmen from afar and then push their infantry up in a line uh, and then holding the cavalry reserve to smash through them once they get, get a hole in their defences. But this didn't really work because the archers, when they are firing, due to the angle of the hill, they were kind of going flat into their shields and so their shield wall held and is extremely effective against the Norman arrow. Uh, the cavalry now were taking casualties under the weight of the English axes, these long axes they had, Bavarian axes they were, and having to charge up that hill. At the time as well, in the bloodshed of battle, William's horse had been felled at least twice, we think. Mm. And so there's rumours going around, the you know, panic had set in, the king was dead, William was dead, so what are we doing here? Let's just, you know, go to Cornwall, take some time off. <laughs> um, but what he does is he mounts another horse, probably kicking a knight off that had to... <laughs> Now, well, now yeah. as an infantier, um, <laughs> took his helmet off and then galloped through the line saying, I'm alive, I'm alive. Okay, so he did an Aragorn. He, uh, he th- that's the next sentence. Okay. <laughs> William did an Aragorn. <laughs> You're reading over my shoulder here. Uh, but William decided to switch tactics. He realized that the archers were no... Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Longer, harrying and not able to get through the shield wall, and the infantry were too slow going up the hill. So he ordered them to attack and withdraw, attack and withdraw, hoping to lure the infantry into thinking that they would retreat and then do the same thing, encircling them again. Uh, the army had been depleted brutally now. Very, very bloody battle, even for the time. And the Normans took advantage of this, but they still held their line until they saw that the, the, these knights on horseback were about to fall and decided to push forward. Sorry, who held their line? The English. Okay. The English. So the Normans are on horses. Normans on horses, on charging feet. up the hill, back and forth, okay. back and forth. Okay. Until eventually they... So many of them die that it's like, yeah, we can charge them now. Yeah. And sort of it broke down from there and they eventually got through to King Harold himself and they actually killed him. There was an arrow Ooh. through the eye that it felled him. Uh, potentially it could be friendly fire in the melee and the chaos, but we're not so sure. And that brought an end to King Harold and also to the Anglo-Saxon reign of England itself. Um, and this heralded on now the rule of the Normans. And William then was crowned king on Christmas Day in 1066. And as a result, a new era of rule had come into place. French was now the language of the court. which have, <laughs> But this, have, this eventually blended with Anglo-Saxon, become modern English. Yeah. Yeah. So it was this combination of French and Anglo-Saxon. And William is regarded as one of the great kings of England. He built fortifications and castles and used his experience from his youth having to work politics and, and military advantage to solidify the country and uniting it and defending it from would-be attackers and created a long dynasty of rulers that continues to this day-ish. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> so, sort true? of. <laughs> Ish. There's I mean, some pretty dubious, dubious yeah. break points. I, I mean, think, yeah. there are some very clear yeah. break points that yeah. we're not going to cover now, but yeah. yes. But he was pretty sure it was going to last forever. Yeah, yeah. well, our uh, all kings. And that is the story of the Battle of Hastings. Nice. Now, did people, like the, the your normal English person on the street, did they care about about this were they really sad that Harold died and this new guy had come in or did they pretty quickly get in line yeah well if you think of it this way they all kind of did have legitimate claims to the throne yeah so if you're just a regular person you know baker cobbler it doesn't really matter who's who's head I don't on know the I reckon really. I reckon it's probably it affects you quite a bit because it all your local nobles it's sort of feudal mm. system right so they're all all the local nobles and the people who control and own the land, I think, were switched out. Yeah. So I think, it, and then a whole. Interesting. So I, I think it probably affected, like, probably took like a decade or two. I would have yeah. thought, but it, it must have affected. It loads definitely of stuff. Would, have, it would have affected for sure. I mean, French being the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we get Pret a Manger in the streets of London <laughs> to this day. That's is right. From the this. first Pret a Manger <laughs> first was Pret -Manger. opened in 1067. T 1067. I yeah. New Year's Eve. Yeah. Plowman's. New Year's Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go. That's uh, you know, that is uh, if you ask any English person to name one year ever in history. Yeah, that's the that one. That is you guys the one year. That's like our. Um, if you ask any American, we'll say 1492. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah. Which is the oh, year yeah. of oh, Columbus. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sa sailed the ocean. Green. Green. <laughs> Sail the ocean green. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's very cool. Yeah. I think 
the only thing I knew about it was that it happened in 1066 because even that has reached my shores. So <laughs> thank you for the for the history lesson, both of you. I would like to talk about another invasion, mm. a different invasion, also of the Normans but not of England. So while William is up there conquering England, other Normans are focused on lands to the south, and over a period of decades, they conquer southern Italy, taking little bits of it piece by piece oh. until they unify it. Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. It's a thing I had no idea about either. It turns out I really just don't know what's going on in 1066. <laughs> um, so there are a couple of different theories about when and why the Normans first went to Italy. And to be clear, these are just other Normans. They're not related to William. Um, they're just people from Normandy who mm -hmm. are looking to the south. So the theories, there are lots of them possibly involving murder, possibly involving the Pope, definitely involving people with names like Pandolf the Fourth of Capua oh, yes. and Landolf the Fifth of <laughs> Benevento. And of course and they're Gandalf. <laughs> there's actually a Gandalf. No, there's oh, not. Okay, okay. <laughs> But Very Pandolf sad. and Landolf, and I think there's a Randolph, so clearly Dolph means something. This is where Dolph Lundgren is from. <laughs> is <No>. he a Norman? <laughs> <laughs> he's an, he's an Italo-Norman. Um, so I'm not going to get into the history of why the Normans uh, originally came there, except to mention this incredible fact, which was that at one point, someone was executed via the traditional Roman uh, poena culli, my that's my very good Latin, which translates to sack punishment. What? <laughs> um, please, where... please. He had to take a very wide stance while someone took a long run up, was it? No, <laughs> different sack. He was tied up in a sack with a monkey, a, a rooster, no way. and a snake and thrown <laughs> into the sea. Oh. <laughs> Oh, sorry. That sounds horrific. I know, but horrific. It is, that is hilarious. It's so good. And apparently, the animals that they would put in the sack, they were they would change every time. But there's oh, yeah, usually yeah. a snake. You want to get the most comedic combination <laughs> yeah. possible. Yeah. Do you think this is true? Is this I, true? It, it is true because th this is a thing that existed in in like ancient Rome and. I think at this point had kind of fallen out of favor, but they brought it back for this one guy, which is great. Back by popular demand. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually not related to anything, but it was just too good for me oh, not to maybe share. Maybe we could like have a competition where people can vote in and see what animals they want to put in a sack with us. <laughs> Before we get thrown into the sea. <laughs> well, yeah, we do have to winnow down the podcasters on this. That's too, right. You know? yeah. Profitability is way down this quarter, you know. <laughs> The point is that by the early 11th century, there were Normans in Italy, <laughs> just like there were monkeys and snakes in a sack. Uh, at this time, there are three groups vying for control of the southern parts of Italy. The Lombards, mm. the Byzantine Empire, and various Muslim emirs who controlled the island of Sicily. And then obviously, you've got the Pope and the Holy Roman Empire in the mix, because they're just right next door in Rome. Uh, and the Normans started out as mercenaries for the Lombards. But along the way, they were granted bits of territory to rule as fiefs, and they just slowly amass more territory and more influence. And gradually, they become so powerful that they actually depose the Lombards, and then they're the leaders of the revolt against the Byzantines and the Muslims, trying to mm -hmm. just get them all out of Italy so they can have it. There's one family that leads the charge, 
the 12 sons of Tancred of Hauteville, uh, or Hauteville, I suppose, including such legends as William Ironarm. Oh, yes. And Drogo. Ah. Famously a character in the show. We cannot name. Succession. (laughs) Drogo Roy. Um, By the middle of the century, they've got control over parts of Italy, some of these sons of Tancred, and they've drawn the attention, in a bad way, of Pope Leo IX. In 1053, he and the army of the Holy Roman Empire are soundly defeated by Humphrey of Hauteville, one of the Twelve Sons. Mm. Humphrey captures and imprisons Leo, but just four years later, when Humphrey dies, his brother Robert Guiscard makes himself a papal vassal in exchange for the title of duke. So the loyalties are just flip-flopping all over the place. Mm. The Pope's against them, the Pope's with them, the Pope's with the Holy Roman Empire, the Pope's against the Holy Roman Empire. Italy is a mess in the 11th century. But Robert Guiscard is the man I want to focus on. He is the sixth son and arguably the most successful He's considered the founder of the Norman Kingdom of Italy, despite the fact that his older brothers played a part, and they were the ones who really started to gain control of the territory. Um, some personal notes about Robert. His, uh, his sobriquet, Giscard, is translated as the cunning, the wily, the fox, Ooh. or the weasel. <laughs> Which are all really good. I wish I had an epitaph. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can have the weasel if you want. (laughs) I can be Ant the Weasel. Ant the Weasel. (laughs) Will the Unready. Anna the Vampiric. There we go. Done. Done. Uh, A different Anna, Anna Komnena, who's a famous Byzantine historian, described him. And I've, I've trimmed down this paragraph a lot because she she's over the moon about this guy (laughs) so this is the edited version um he she described him as having an overbearing character and a thoroughly villainous mind he was a brave fighter very cunning in his assaults on the wealth and power of great men he was a man of immense stature he had a ruddy complexion fair hair broad shoulders eyes that all but shot out sparks of fire in a well-built man one looks for breadth here and slimness there in him, all was admirably well-proportioned and elegant. It does sound wow. like she's describing <laughs> Ant the Weasel here as well. <laughs> yeah, it was either Robert Giscard, founder of the Kingdom of Norman Italy, or Ant the Weasel, Aunt the Weasel, Aunt the Weasel. <laughs> sitting right next to me. <laughs> um, in 1061, Robert and his brother Roger invade Sicily. Uh, they easily capture the, the crucial port city of Messina, taking it from the Saracens, the Muslim rulers. And Robert makes good progress in taking the rest of the island, but eventually meets some resistance from the Muslims and returns to the Italian mainland. A few years later, he goes back to Sicily to try again, but his campsite was infested with tarantulas. Oh, oh wow. And so he had to abandon it. I love. That sounds horrendous. <laughs> yeah, I really hope it's just like the one, but he just he just couldn't. He just like, couldn't yeah. deal with it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. That's I, it. I, 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 hate I see one. We're done. No more. You can have it. It was infested. I said <laughs> <laughs> they were everywhere, uh, but he overcomes his arachnophobia, and in 1072 he captures Palermo, and the rest of Sicily falls soon thereafter. Hmm. But meanwhile, uh, meanwhile on the mainland, he's still fighting to get the Byzantines out. And that campaign takes years. He finally defeats the Byzantine emperor in 1081 and in the next few years solidifies his control over the entirety of southern Italy. 
and his successors build on this work and the house of Otvi uh, rules Sicily for more than a century. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I had done most of my research and written this all up before I realized that actually nothing particularly notable happened in 1066. (laughs) Uh, uh. And I can't remember why I thought it did, but... (laughs) I was going back through. I was like, maybe that's when he landed in Sicily. Maybe that's... No. I mean, he was doing all this stuff in 1066. You're definitely getting a strike from the I know. I'll take it. I'll take it. This is your second strike. I apologize for for profaning the very notion of the RNG. But this was happening in Italy in 1066. Some parts of it. In some parts of it. (laughs) There were tarantulas. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah. That's that's it. But at least you learned a little something about the other much slower and much less famous Norman invasion. So I think it's actually Anna, the unable to follow instructions. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, strike two. <laughs> I read the description of Robert Guy's card and I couldn't get him out of my head. <laughs> you couldn't get his perfect proportions yeah, out of your just head. All his proportions were so. Even for me, that's quite a distracting <laughs> yeah. description. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, if you'd like to read my Robert Guy's card fan fiction, mm. you can find that on our website. <laughs> We should actually. That, 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 that's right. <laughs> Thickhistory.com. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, that's everything you need to know about 1066. Any questions, comments, find us on Twitter, visit our website, Randomly Generated History. Uh, but I also do have an email that has come into us. So you can email us at randomlygeneratedhistory at gmail.com. And this one comes from a fan of the show called Kat. And she says, subject line, very important feedback. So <laughs> rushed to read this. Oh, God, I hope it's about optimizing our SEO. <laughs> I really hope so, too. Will Anna Ant. You asked for feedback on the most depressing city a few episodes ago. Oh, yes. And when we were talking about... Right. Uh, was this Oklahoma? Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, so we were the talking Oklahoma. about the Oklahoma of England. Yeah, yeah. what's yeah. the Oklahoma? So here we go. Uh, you asked for feedback on the most depressing city, city a few episodes ago, so here's my vote. Hull. Mm. I cycle, cycled through there once, and it has zero redeeming features. <laughs> oh. Oh. Looking forward to the next episode already. Love, Cat. <laughs> Good. What I like about that is that we asked for single word emails, which yeah. that wasn't. That was a bit wordy, but yeah. it was still quite, it was still quite yeah. succinct and to the point. Yeah. Also, we should really respect the city. It is called Kingston upon Hull. It has. Is uh, that not a different place? Is that a different place? I'm pretty sure. Where am I going on holiday then? Oh, <laughs> maybe. Okay, maybe it's not a different place. Yeah, I think, so. I think it's the one. Yeah, it's the one. It's like okay. on the on a little river inlet. There is uh, nothing of note there. Freedom of the city. There's individual. Desmond Tutu has the freedom of the city of Hull. Oh, that's nice. He's never been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just know he's never. He never went there. No, can you Nelson just give Mandela the f- also. Never been there. No chance. Wow. You can just give out freedoms of cities if you want to to anybody. Hey, I'm going to give you the freedom of the city of. Weston under lizard. I don't think you can do that. <laughs> Why? I don't. I think. I, I think. I want. If you're the mayor of Hull, uh, and you want to be represented by a well-proportioned weasel, <laughs> <laughs> I am willing to volunteer as tribute, and I promise to visit. I will. I'll cut some ribbons. Okay. On a pret, or yeah. whatever you want. Get in touch, mayor of Hull. We've <laughs> we've just had a call from the president of Chile, but the line is open now for the mayor of Hull. So. <laughs> 
Um, cool. Well, yeah, 1066 in the bag. Hull has our vote currently as the least impressive part of England. Again, feel free to write in. Yeah, this is not our opinion yeah. to clarify. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. the opinion this of Cat. This is the opinion of yeah, Cat. Yeah, yeah. We love Hull. Uh, and that means that all that's left to do is choose our next year. So, Will, can you please boot it up? I absolutely can. It is getting up to operating temperature now. Yep. It's tough now because it's quite cold outside. <laughs> it is. It does take more energy. It's nice that you keep a little, you keep it roasting over a bed of coals. I do. Yeah. yeah. It motivates the tarantulas. <laughs> they, they spin its as wheels. They spin the wheels. Yeah. <laughs> and the next year is 527 BCE. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Why? 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 <laughs> Why did we calibrate the machine in this way? <laughs> Have we done this to us? Why has we, the club done this to yeah. us? Yeah. Like, of as course. ever, blame Grover Cleveland. Yeah. It's it really is. If you really want to uh, go to our website, if you find it, want to find out some of the mysteries and history of the club, by the way, Grover yeah. Cleveland is heavily implicated in his, the esoterica that is the history of this. But yeah. we are constitutionally required to cover these early years, unfortunately, right, by the Constitution of the United States and the UK. I think it's going to be great. I'm ready. Uh, Egypt, maybe? Egypt will be up to stuff. You know the Greeks are in the mix. Yeah. Probably other places. <laughs> it can't just always be Egypt and the Greeks, but it, I feel it so... will always be Egypt and the Greeks. Oh, and the Persians. The Persians yeah, are yeah. always... Thank God for the I Persians. just feel so adrift without some sort of Christian war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can talk about a proto-Christian yeah, war. Yeah, maybe I yeah. will. I <laughs> have to. All right. Well, we'll see you then. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 